1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider, welcome to the War College, my friends. I know there's a lot of priests that will listen on Wednesday. Uh, thank you, all you priests and fathers, for supporting the show. Hey, the month of February is dedicated to the Holy Family. This special devotion began back in the 17th century, which proposes the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as the model of virtue of all Christian households. And even in, in uh, Egypt, the Coptic Christians from very early times, because that's where the Holy Family fled, they've had this devotion to the Holy Family for many centuries. And by the way, the Feast of the Holy Family has been welcomed by many popes as a means of making known the true spirit of simple, pious, God-centered family life. Well, Dan, we're going to be talking about pop culture today. We're not going to be getting into, into deep theology. We call this... Uh, fundamental theology or, 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 or pragmatic theology. We're going to be talking about the Grammy Awards, another satanic ritual. Also, should you say blessings before you eat? Absolutely, and you'll see why. And also, a good young African priest, he gets it. He talks about today's demonic mindsets. Dan, how are you, my friend? What project are you working on? Yeah, no, I'm doing great, Jess. Uh, still, still uh, keeping busy, traveling, speaking. We got a lot of training. Um, I've got a, a, a parish mission going, or a retreat coming in uh, Weirton, West Virginia, right outside of Steubenville. Going there in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to Tyler, Texas, with uh, with you and, and Father Ripperger and Kyle. We're going to be doing a spiritual warfare conference first weekend of November. I'm sorry, uh, March that first weekend. So uh, if you can make it, come over there and support uh, the good Bishop Strickland and uh, the team there. Uh, we got our annual training, training of priest and laity, exorcist. That'll be in, in March also. Uh, I got pretty much a rock a rock star tour in March. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be, I'll be not going to be sleeping a lot in the month of March. I got a lot of other stuff going on, but uh, at the same time, I'm, you're still, still promoting the book. The book's sold out again. Thanks be to God. I guess it's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's, it's being well received, you know, um, Again, it's providing meat. We're not just giving problems, explaining the problems. We're not trying to glorify the devil whatsoever. We're trying to give people good solutions on on how to live your Catholic faith and live and live with the interior freedom. And I'm working on the follow up a follow up book now, uh, the Primer, which is a follow up book to that, putting out some basic principles of spiritual combat, as we see in the New Testament. So, got my hands full. Started a new academic semester. I got a couple of classes I'm teaching as well. So, got my hands full, just as we say. Hey, well, I, I wrote a book that lays out the problem. It's called The Devil in the City of Angels by Tan Book. And then Dan wrote the solution to the problem. It's a Libra Cristo method, uh, you know, spiritual warfare training. Dan got the solution. I wrote about the problem. Hey, I want to just uh, switch gears over to Los Angeles, the city where uh, the demon that, that uh, is assigned to the city of angels is called the demon of unreality. Hmm. And for the third straight year, can you believe that? Another satanic display at the Grammy Awards. By the way, I've never watched an entire Grammy Awards. So uh, 
I've uh, I've spared myself the uh, uh, you know getting getting uh, hexed or cursed by these uh, satanic displays. But the singer performs a satanic ritual with a demon sucking blood and blood leaking from walls. I, I just saw it on the internet, uh, just a few clips, and that was enough for me. But once again, the Grammys have continued to promote Satan again this year. This is the third year they glorify Satan on stage and through international media. Uh, is there an agenda? Of course there is. Uh, and so I've never watched the Grammy Awards. But America has turned these actors and entertainers into American idols. The article says here, in 2022, the Grammys went full satanic ritual when Little Nas paraded on stage with demonic photos on the screen and men dressed in black robes for effect. The crowd loved it. In 2023, singer Sam Smith headlined the Grammy Awards with another edgy satanic performance. Smith and Kim Petras performed their song Unholy at the Grammy Awards in a satanic-themed spectacle that was later confirmed to be public worship of Satan. This is the filth the left is pushing on America. And again, a few nights ago at the 2024 Grammy Awards, Olivia Rodrigo performed another satanic-themed song to the delight of the crowd. Olivia started off by rubbing blood all over herself, including her face, while singing about a demon vampire sucking her blood. Then the walls started to bleed. This is what the left calls art these days, Dan. God help us. This is what the music industry has become. A young woman performed a satanic ritual at the Grammys a few nights ago. And I'm looking at her. I bet she's a baptized Catholic. I just could, I, I could sniff an ex-Catholic some, uh, you know, a young Hispanic, Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, tell me she's not a baptized Catholic. Well, she began rubbing blood all over herself while singing about a demon vampire sucking her blood. Like I said, while blood pours out from the walls, this is truly sick and truly evil. Dan comments, how dangerous is this? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, working in this this field and doing commentary on spiritual warfare, um, the news really just kind of writes itself for us. Um, and, and again, one of the statements that we use in our in our business is the demon militates to absurdity. And this is exactly what we're seeing. The demon's just running the score up. He is just militating to absurdity. So, um this these are these are you know these 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 rituals are being performed and 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 in, in public sight. I can only imagine for those that want to watch the Super Bowl. If somebody asked me the other day, "You're going to watch the Super Bowl?" I'm like, "Yeah, I really am not interested in watching a satanic ritual at halftime." You know, so, <laughs> so you know what I mean. I'm just not interested. I, I don't care that much uh, about it. So um, so th- what we have here is again a ritual being performed. The blood, the blood smearing all in a mockery of Christ, all in a mockery of the, 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 the blood atonement of Jesus Christ, mm. um, blood sucking, uh, blood sucking the blood out of her. Again, it's focused on the blood. Blood is the coin of the realm in, 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 in the cosmos in the, in the, in the realm of the supernatural blood is the coin blood is the, that's the gold standard. And so, and, and so again, blood without blood, there is no life. Right. Without the shedding of blood, it says in Hebrews, there is no atonement for sins. And so blood is a sacred place. You can live without brain function, as evidenced by the people at the Grammys cheering for this. You can live without brain function, but you cannot live without blood. Um, So so blood is the life form of the species. And so and it's also the again, the coin of the realm and the the supernatural. It's all a mockery of Christ. But remember uh, um, two things. One is. Um, this is good for parents to see. This is the garbage that our children are listening to. We need to make sure that we, you know, forget little filters on the phones. This stuff is this stuff is 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 evil. It needs 
to be blocked. It needs to be, need, there needs to be some tremendous amount of prudence and discussion with our children and grandchildren about what the popular culture is trying to enculturate our children into. You can go to mass once a week on Sunday, uh, uh, pray, pray the rosary once in a while, go to confession, I don't know, every year or two, uh, drop your kids off at Catholic school. You can even go to Latin mass, but if you let this garbage into your home, the demon's going to take it as a permission. The, 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 the third rule of engagement of spiritual combat is prayer begets what it signifies and, and asking you shall receive. Um, and so one of the things that, that this does is this is a permission that is granted. The demon has no right to you or your children, but the demon takes permissions. And when you're looking at this garbage and you're following the popular culture. They're leading you down that path. And it's, it's good just to separate yourself and start living and uh, watching what you're taking in to your eyes and to your ears, et cetera. And don't support this stuff. Dan, I'm going to re- quote one Bible verse here. This was from the Dewey Reams. It's uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. What talks about what angels do. It says, quote, And I saw another angel flying through the midst of heaven, having the eternal gospel to preach unto them that sit upon the earth and over every nation and tribe and tongue and people, close quote. So the Bible tells us that angels carry God's word through the cosmos, through the air, from one location to another. Well, guess what? It stands to reason that fallen angels, demons, also carry ungodly, profane, lies, deception, evil messages through the air from one location to another. And that's what we see at the, at the Grammy Awards. And let's not forget that Satan is also called by St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, the prince of the power of the air, close quote. What does that mean? That means that Satan controls that realm, that field, that kingdom. Since Satan is the prince of the air, as the Bible says, he's also in control of our airways. He's the prince of technology, and he's established the foundation of his empire here on earth through New York and Los Angeles and other places that are, that are pumping out ungodly messages through airwaves, radio waves, TV signals, and entertainment networks. Comments, Dan? Yeah, this is why one of the one of the the tactics that we use in our our protocol, and I recommend it to everybody, is is uh, having Gregorian chant on your on your phone, playing Gregorian chant. Uh, the, the 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 monks of the Santo Domingo de los Silos. This helps to combat the spirits of the air. Um, the demons traffic in the senses: the sight, the sound, the smell, um, the air. That's you know the the you know these the 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 the, the um, all the the tactile. And this is why, the, the, again, the church is very sacramental. The church is very incarnational in our sacraments and our sacrament, sacramentals and our prayers. You know, it's not just um, words spoken. There's gestures. There's the use of matter. There's sight, sounds, smells, bells, that sort of thing. And so all that is very important uh, um, uh, as part of the way man is worshipped, the part of man who is incarnate, man who is enfleshed. God, God incarnate, it took on human flesh. And so um, St. Irenaeus, the second century, said what God didn't assume, he didn't redeem. He, res- he assumed our humanity and therefore redeemed it. And therefore the demon militates against that. We offer God worship through our bodies. Uh, um, and also the demon does the same thing. And what you're looking at, these Grammy Awards, the halftime shows, etc., you're seeing, you're seeing the worship, uh, bodily worship and, and, and satanic rituals in many cases. If, if nothing else, these are just diabolic satanic verses and images. That's right. Wednesday War College, just remember Dr. Dan Schneider. Grab Dan's book. Dan's book. Uh, Liber Crystal Field Manual for Spiritual Combat. Every, every household should have that book. Up next, why do we pray before meals?
rosary beads Bible by my ammo, man, I hope he's watching me Overseas overnight, if I die, I know it's right Freedom ain't free, pass the ammo, let's ride This segment is brought to you by 10 Books. Go to vmpr.org and click on the 10 Books logo to shop for all your Catholic book needs. Shop 10 Books by clicking on the logo on our website, vmpr.org. want to talk now about uh, praying before meals. Well, before you go, I want to just tell one, before we go to the next subject, there was an article that came out. This has been about seven, eight years ago. It was in First Things Magazine. And it was when the first time that this satanic stuff was launched overtly was by Beyonce. Um, and it might've been at the, actually at the Super Bowl. And there's an article written about a family. The, 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 the father was a, a professor of sociology, uh, a woke man uh, teaching woke theology or woke philosophies at a state college. His, his son was at a, uh, a very elite private school. Um, this is before the whole transgender movement. This is one of the first shots fired maybe 10 years ago. And the article was entitled something like before and after Beyonce. And so they watched this video and they watched the halftime show. And I'm not saying that, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you watch the show, you're going to get possessed, but the child watches this show, this little boy. And after the show, he started dancing and she herself says that she channels demons. I mean, she, she said there's a specific demon she calls by name that she channels and she becomes a different person. And the child after that show said, I want to be a girl. And so they started militating to allow, to allow him to be transgender in this, in this very elite private school in, in Minnesota, I think it was. And so it just shows you the, the power of the visual image when there's specifically vulnerability. I'm not saying if you watch the show, your children are going to get possessed. But this is an extreme example of what's, of what, of what's happening in the, in the cosmic realm. This child and the parents said, we, we define our lives as before and after Beyonce about what happened uh, when they watched this halftime show. Anyway, yeah. I just thought I'd mention that article. That's important to mention, Dan. Thanks a lot. And watching these things, like Dan said, you're not, it doesn't mean you're automatically going to get possessed. But what happens is you're opening doors and you're creating vulnerabilities for your spouse, for your children, for those in your household. You're creating vulnerabilities and you don't want to do that. So, Jess, so, so you were a cop I was, and I was a cab officer, right? We looked for certain things when we were looking for bad guys. You're looking for, for pattern breaks. You're looking for, uh, you're, you're, you're looking for certain things. Whenever I'm out to dinner with an ex-cop or retired cop, he can never just sit. He can never just relax and enjoy dinner. He's always, he's always, he's always out there looking at the landscape. He's, you know I mean? The whole, you know how it is. Put sure back you, to the wall. You back, back to the wall, the whole, exactly. So, and so uh, the demon is no different. He's an apex predator. He's looking for pattern breaks. He's looking for uh, any any behavior that's inconsistent with the indelible mark of baptism. He's looking for those those areas of vulnerability. So if you and I, uh, after our show, decide to meet up and go get buffalo wings over at, at this place called Hooters, that's a pattern break. That's inconsistent, right? He, the demon looks for the mouth that blesses and curses. And so, and so these are things that you have to be aware of and, and God will allow it in his providence for us for various reasons. But, but I, that's kind of a, a segue to the next segment, the next, uh, uh, the next section. Yeah. 
Dan, there's an exorcist that wrote a, a little uh, story here about praying before meals. And here's what he writes. He says here in the, in the second paragraph, he says, Very recently, a family went on a vacation to a South American country. Here is a mother's personal account, which she shared with me and I use with her permission. As my family approached the diverse array of dishes in a buffet, I recalled the priest counsel on blessing meals. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, I requested a pause for prayer before partaking in the meal. The family, except for my second oldest son, respectfully bowed their heads. This son, a 21-year-old with a skeptical view towards prayer, dismissed the act. He said, quote, Mom, you are taking things to the extreme. That night, my son, who had scoffed at the notion of blessing meals, fell ill with a high fever and debilitating diarrhea. This only lasted a few hours. The next day, his health was back to normal. My entire family, especially my son, were left with a newfound appreciation for the power of prayer and gratitude. After this, my son, my 21-year-old son, is praying before meals. All of the family members ate the same food, but only the son, only that one unbelieving son became sick. Was the son just unlucky or did he eat a demon? That's what the article writes. Blessing food is important. What we take into our bodies can have a profound effect physically, psychologically, and even spiritually. Most important, as we bless our food, we give thanks to God. A heart full of gratitude to God is a heart firmly on the road to the kingdom. And again, there are several, several forms of the blessing of meals in the book of blessings. The most common and popular, which, which anyone can pray, is bless us, O Lord, and these thine gifts, which we're about to receive from thy bounty, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, and the Bible actually tells us, Dan, to bless our food in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected, rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For then it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10, Old Testament says the same thing. There's a, uh, it, it, it gives us an order given to pray at meals. Moses wrote the following, Deuteronomy 8.10, quote, But when you have eaten and are satisfied, you must bless the Lord, your God, for the good land he has given you. And by the way, the Jews call that prayer the Berkat HaMazon, which, mean bless, which means blessing of meals. So, Dan, uh, on a spiritual warfare level, people that go eat in public, you don't know who's preparing your food. Good, uh, taking vitamins, taking medicine. Good practice to pray before taking vitamins, medicine, eating in public. Is that a good practice? Yeah, absolutely. What we're, what we're seeing here is, uh, I, I, think, I think, to be clear, I don't know if you're necessarily eating a demon. Yeah, right. I think, I think that was tongue-in-cheek with the, the exercise. I think, that, I think that's, that's being clever. But again, it goes back to the prayer begets what it signifies, ask and you shall receive. So, so um, we know that as Catholics that inanimate objects can convey supernatural or preternatural or divine power. The, you know, um, the imposition of, the, of a relic, uh, imposition of a blessed uh, crucifix, the St. Benedict medal and crucifix is very powerful, holy water 
exercise salt. All these things convey through the authority uh, that Christ gave to the church and her ministers. It doesn't matter what you and I pray. You and I could pray it in perfect Latin over an object. It doesn't convey anything. It's through the instrumentality of the Catholic priest that through his prayer conveys upon something, uh, an object, um, according to the church's intentions, something that conveys the power of God through the church. So curses work in the same thing. What a curse does is basically it's an inversion of a blessing. It's the privation of the protection that comes with blessing. And so when someone curses something, it conveys upon it also a cosmic-like power, but that power is diabolic. And so it, it, the objects become agency, inanimate objects become agency for something other. And so, but, but even that God allows it um, for, for some greater good. God allows us to suffer these things. In this particular case, God spoke in a very profound way, and the family should give thanks for that, because a lot of families, um, God God pulls back and doesn't allow suffering, um, you know, like this, it was so obvious, like the, the comedian, there was a comedian, you can look it up on YouTube, Heather McDonald, if you remember this, she was mocking Jesus in one of her skits, mm. and uh, uh, um, uh, supporting the, the, the vaccine and mocking, and in her support of the vaccine was mocking Jesus, she fell over and, and cracked her skull, uh, on stage, you know. Now, uh, God sometimes does that for the most part. He's very excited and he lets us live our lives according to the choices that we make. So somebody emailed me this week and said, does God grant grace to Catholics um, that are in a state of mortal sin? Of course, the church teaches that actual grace is God offers. Actual grace is conversion to all sinners. But sometimes that grace that he offers comes in the form of a cross of suffering. And so to, to you know, St. Bonaventure says that God allows us allows the demons to afflict us. He allows us to suffer for four principal things, uh, reasons to punish sin, to rebuke a sinner, to glorify God, and to educate us. In this particular case, um, this was to rebuke a sinner for someone who, who, who refused to bow his head before God, and, and in which case he and his family were also educated uh, through this, this, this short bit of suffering that they had. So yeah, bless your food before meals. Not only is it a nice public witness, not only is it the right thing to do, not only does scripture tell us we do it, tradition tells us to do it, it's also something that is very, very important and proactive in spiritual combat. St. Benedict also tells us to do it, <laughs> Dan. There's a story about uh, St. Benedict. Uh, the abbot of a nearby monastery died, and the monks there asked St. Benedict if, if he would come and become their new abbot. He declined at first, uh, so they ins- and, and uh, they insisted, so he agreed. So St. Benedict was now the new abbot, and some of the monks hated him. They decided to kill him and put some poison in his glass of wine. So when it came time for meal, St. Benedict made the sign of the cross to bless the wine, and the wine glass suddenly broke as if a rock had been thrown at it. And St. Gregory the Great, he writes about that story. He says, quote, On which accident the man of God by and by perceived that the glass had, had in it the drink of death, which could not endure the sign of life. So St. Benedict, his, his fellow monks were trying to kill him. He blessed the wine and the wine glass, the goblet just, just was pulverized and uh, come to find out that there was poison in that wine. Again, that's the power of a blessing over meals. Yeah, no, St. Benedict, St. Benedict is, is a saint that shows up. God always sends help from the mystical body. When we're dealing with cases, St. Benedict is one that shows up quite often today. 
uh, particularly when there's curses involved in the family. There's family curses or curses between uh, people getting into curse wars, et cetera. So St. Benedict is, whenever he shows up and somebody has this out of nowhere devotion to St. Benedict, um, it's usually a sign that there's some curses operant in, in that family, but it goes back to the very, the very root. Each of our saints, uh, each of the saints have their own charism that they contribute into the mystical body and they carry forth even in spiritual combat today because the church is one. St. Augustine says, the church is, uh, you know, Christ the head, we the members, the totus Christus, the total Christ. And so we work together, we militate together, the church triumphant in heaven, the church suffering in purgatory, and the church militant here on earth. And so this is a this is a, an invisible, but nonetheless real uh, um, uh, fact or reality that we militate as a church uh, with, with the the. the, the the angels and saints that I mean that with the angels and saints in the church militant as well. So we have to really uh, uh, expand our ecclesiology to really understand how this works. Good stuff, Dan. Uh, Saint Benedict. Also, there's another story that uh, a fellow priest, a jealous priest, gave him poisoned bread, and, and what happened? Saint Benedict prayed, and a raven swooped down and took the poisoned bread from him. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Stick around. This segment is brought to you by Charity Mobile. When shopping for a phone, why not choose the one that's pro-life? Call 877-474-3662 and mention Virgin Most Powerful Radio to support the show. Moving right along, it's good to see uh, well-formed African priests. They seem to be the salvation of the Catholic Church in my book. There's an article written by a young priest in Africa It's called Beware of Today's Demonic Mindsets. As Dan says, demons traffic in the senses. It's written by Father Nandi Monemi. Let me just share some of the points that he makes, and then I want to hear hear Dan's comments on it. In fact, Dan, I want to go through some of his points. Then I want you you to stop me after, and I want to hear your commentary on each one of his points, because he makes uh, five very powerful points. Let, Let me give the preface to this. The priest writes, um, I gave a talk some years ago to a group of faithfuls on the need to be engaged in spiritual warfare. After the talk, one of the attendees said to me, Father, I'm certain that I would not be able to sleep this night after listening to your talk on the demons and their activities in our lives. Her words reflect the sad attitude we have today regarding the reality of demons and their activities. We think that demons will just leave us in peace if we do not speak or think about them. The truth is that we can choose to ignore them, but they never ignore us for a single moment. Just like Dan said, demons are apex predators. Father writes, let us hear from St. Peter about demons and our need to be vigilant always. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, your opponent, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him solid in your faith. First Peter 5, 8, 9. It is thus naive to think that we're safe simply because we do not want to hear or think about the devil and his demons. On the contrary, demons are always busy, watching us with intense hatred, fully resolved and determined to bring us to share their destiny in hell. Because misery always seeks company, the intense misery of the demons makes them labor tirelessly to make us their companions in the fires of hell. One way in which they labor for our eternal damnation is to communicate to us their mindset, or what Dan and Liber Crystal calls 
uh, projection. They're projecting thoughts into our mind, into our memory, imagination. We see elements of this mindset in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 and 28. The demon first acknowledged the majesty and holiness of God. He said, I know you, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But this is only forced acknowledgement in words alone. The demon is not ready or willing to submit to Jesus in love. It is defiant and does not easily obey the words of Jesus. It says the unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. We too begin to exhibit the mindset of the demons when we only acknowledge Jesus by our words, but resist him in our actions. We struggle to freely submit to Jesus because we believe the many lies that the demons have directly or indirectly planted in our minds and hearts through the world and fallen men and women. Dan, everything I've re- re- uh, read there so far, can you filter it through liber Christo theology? Yeah, I think one is, is um, and we hear this in, in the, 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 the old ritual, uh, the, the, the old ritual, but also the Latin mass, the importance of holiness in thought, word, and deed. Um, that that the demon's looking again. He's looking for those areas of permissions through thought, word, and deed. Um, you know, it, it begins with a thought, it expressed with a word, and then acted out through deed. So holiness and thought, word, and deed is very important. There was a uh, the movie Nefarious. Remember, we met we met the directors, uh, the producers, and the actor, good guys. And one of the, the one of the most telling scenes is when um, Nefarious says to to the atheist, "You guys are losing." And the atheist says, I didn't know there was a spiritual. I didn't know we were in battle. He says, and that's why you guys are losing. Mm -hmm. And so he mentions that the St. Peter resist and firm in your faith. One of the things that, again, the demon projects, the demon projects um, just the way the way by his angelic nature, the way he communicates is through illumination or projection. So he's going to project negative thoughts. He's going to project negative things that's going to try to incite in us a negative emotion to habituate our behavior, to habituate our responses. One of the things that St. Paul says when he talks about warfare uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, have faith as a shield. And we often think of faith as a defensive thing, like I'm just going to hold my shield up and, and take the blows. And that's, that's not that's not the Roman use of the shield. The Roman, the Roman legionary would use the shield as an offensive weapon. They would use the shield. It was, it was tightly wound leather over wood and a metal boss with a spike on the front. And the first thing they would do is strike their opponent with that shield and knock them off balance. And then they would come in and finish them with the gladius, the, the, the double-edged sword that, that Paul mentions, um, sharper than a double-edged sword, the, glad, the Roman gladius, um, weapon of destruction. But they would start by throwing their opponent off through the offensive use of the shield. And he, Paul likens, St. Paul likens that to faith. And so faith is something that we resist in an offensive way. How do we do that? We project back through prayer. We project back, uh, uh, um, you know, prayers of ejaculation, prayers of, of Scripture, quoting the Scripture. This is very important that we start to immerse our minds and our thoughts in Holy Scripture. This helps to bring us that purity in thought, word, and deed. It helps to purify our imagination. It starts to purify our memories and so that our emotions now not become something that is easily manipulated by the enemy. Dan, Father also talks about five lies that demons project or through illumination into the mind, in the human mind. There are five lies. I want you to comment on them. He says, the first one is, they tell us that there's something good and useful to us in our sinful choices they make us focus on the fleeting benefits of our sins while ignoring the temporal 
and eternal consequences. They do this today by telling us to become more tolerant and less rigid in, de- less rigid in dealing with sin. They tell us that tolerating sin is actually being non-judgmental, and the highest virtue we can practice today is to tolerate everything. It seems to yeah. me, Dan, as, as if demons are mo- pushing us towards political correctness or DEI, diversity, exclusion, uh, diversity, uh, yeah. uh, something, and, and inclusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so this is a classic case of, of how the demon wants us to drive us to the subjective and the subjective response, what feels good. God knows my intentions, but he's constantly, uh, again, a demon is a lawyer from hell. When he's condemning us, he condemns us in the objective. But he wants us to work at the level of emotions and feelings. God knows my intentions. It minimizes the sin that we do. We might be quick to judge judge others. Now, remember, inclusivity doesn't usually include guys like you and me, right? Because we're just rigid. <laughs> we're just the rigid uh, 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 holding on to old forms. We haven't we haven't evolved into the, the, the modern man. You know, we're judgmental in these other things. So we're not counting us. It's the subjective that the demon is constantly driving us. I really hope that, I mean, God understands my heart, right? While you're committing this grave sin. But the demon stands, it says in Revelation 12, day and night, the devil stands, the accuser, the accuser, our brethren, accusing us day and night. He's accusing us of objective sins that we committed. But meanwhile, he's, he's projecting into us. That's okay. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. This is why in the Eastern, the Eastern right churches, that they spend, they give more of an emphasis on temptation and temptations as sin. Oftentimes in the Western church, some many of our priests are taught, well, oh, that's a temptation, that's not a sin. Well, there's a real fine line. This is going all the way back to Evagrius Ponticus back in the fourth century, talks about the eight logismor, the eight evil thoughts. And the thoughts become words and the words become deeds. So you have to crush these. Again, going back to projection, the imprecatory Psalms, right, in the, in the monastic tradition, um, may the Lord crush the skulls of the babies of my enemies. May he crush them while they are young, right? Now, we read that. Now, we've actually expunged those from the Roman uh, the liturgy, the, the liturgy of the office or the office of readings because those sound too harsh. But how did the monks read that? We have to catch who are our enemies, the vices. When are what are when are they when they're what are the the babies of our enemies? Small little movements of temptation, small little movements of vice, of impurity, of of you name it, the evil thoughts that come in. We have to crush them, crush their skulls. How through the rock, the rock that is Christ. But the demon doesn't want us to use these tactics. He wants us to fall into these false dichotomies and this really Luciferian understanding of of humanity as all equal that we have to be accepted in tolerance of all things. So that's that's a very good paragraph. Second, the, the, this young priest, this young African priest writes, they tell us that Jesus did not does not love us all the time. They lie to us that we have to either earn his love for us or prove ourselves lovable. They also convince us that Jesus has come to destroy us and not to communicate his life and holiness to us. They tell us that obtaining human love, material possessions, and achievements will satisfy our hunger for love. They tempt us to go in search of endless pleasure and novelty. Comment. No, spot on. Again, he's, 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 he's two for two. Because that's, again, that's exactly what the demon projects. He, you get this sugary Jesus on the one hand. He lures you into this sugary Jesus who's wearing skinny jeans. You can picture him playing like a Christian rock band. Got a real tight, nice beard, you know maybe smokes a cigar, the nice guy. 
you know. Um, but then when it when it really comes down to it, he doesn't love you. You got to please him. He's angry. He he's he's a hangry, hacked off God. Are you? How could you possibly follow him? You'll never please him. So so you might as well just give up. So the minute you fall into the first lie, he comes he comes in with the second lie, which is there's nothing you can commit this sin, and it's okay because because he knows your heart. And the minute you fall into that sin, he's there to come back to condemn you immediately. See, and there's no hope for you. This guy is going to have this guy is going to wreak the wrath of God upon you because you're such a scumbag. Point number three, this young African priest says about the demons. They tell us that God's a liar and that we cannot really trust in him or in his words to or in his words to us. This is the age old lie that Satan used in the Garden of Eden. God knows at the moment you eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God's Genesis 3, 5. We hear this lie today and the idea that we can no longer put our trust in God's word uh, to us or the power of his grace. By convincing us that God does not have our best interests at heart, the demons tell us that we cannot rely on his promises anymore. Thus, we must reinterpret and update the word of God to fit our current tastes and preferences. Yeah, because once you, once you buy the lie number one, you fall into sin, uh, um, and you buy lie number two, we have to recreate God. Let us make, instead of let us make man in our image, let us make God in our image. Mm. And so in our image... We have recreated and made a God that is much more compatible and more conformable. We see this. We see this. This today as as uh, uh, again. It's one of the hairs. Hold, hold that thought, Don. Hold that thought. Okay. Okay. I want, okay, okay. Dan Schneider commenting on this uh, well-written article by this young cat, uh, African priest on spiritual warfare. We'll be right back. Stick around. This segment brought to you by Catholic Resource Center. Go to catholicrc.org and explore the entire library filled with inspiring productions on the classic teachings of the Catholic faith. The entire catalog is free for $25. Donors who support the Virgin Most Powerful Radio Den. Got a well-written article by a young African priest. He's talking about uh, beware of today's demonic mindsets. Point number four uh, he talks about our actions do uh, demons try to tell us that our actions do not have consequences. Uh, your comment on point number four made by this young priest. Yeah. Number four. Yeah. Okay. Um, they tell us our actions do not, do not have consequences. We can do whatever we like and God will understand. We see this lie in the idea that people of the same sex can enter into civil union, engage in sexual acts as a couple, come to the church as a couple and get a special non-liturgical blessing as individuals. However, in clever, how clever and innovative the demons are. That's a, that's a well-written, well-written paragraph. Mm. Um, here again, it goes back to, to um, this idea that, that, that the, the demon drives us to the subjective, but he always, but he'll condemn us in the objective, right? So he drives us to the subjective. The heresy, the, the error today, it's, it's, it's called imminentism. And let me give you uh, a, a definition. This is from Father Ripperker's um, from Dominion. A philosophy which holds that anything of importance is contained within the individual. That is, the individual becomes the measure or standard by which things are judged. And so to inmanere, manere is the Latin word to remain in, or in, so it, to inmanere, to remain in. 
So in, it, it holds that um, exterior reality is not important to the extent that we can express ourselves in it. Um, what really is important is what is within ourselves. And so the truth of scripture, the, 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 the deposit of faith, this is why the progressive theologians and prelates militate and don't want to hear about the deposit of faith, because part of the process theology, the development, the evolutionary development of God himself and of, and of truth, there is no deposit of faith. What is, what is, what is true is what I can feel and affirm inside of me. I am the measure of truth. It is imminent to me. And so this is exactly where this is exactly one of the one of the signs and the marks of, of, of the heresy of modernism. It's that that we claim to be the objective arbiter of truth. And here's what it sounds like in academia. I read, read an article once in the in the abstract of the article. It says, as everyone knows, gender is a social construct. Really? Hmm. I didn't know that. I, I, I thought gender was a, a construct given through na- that is observable through natural law. But if I have these interior movements towards same-sex attraction, they must be real. You know, years ago, I was teaching at the Pope Leo Institute in, in the laity track, and I was ex- we were going over the, the necessity for, 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 for mortifying the lower faculties and bringing all things unto the realm of Christ and doing fasting and doing prayer, the importance of a disciplined prayer life and the protocol. And there was a, a psychologist raised her hand, and she said, this all sounds very Pelagian to me, Right. And I said, well, that was spoken like a true quietist. And I think it went right over her head. But if you remember, quietism was a form of neo-Gnosticism that that once you receive the spirit, right, once you receive the indwelling of the spirit, all interior movements must be of God. And we're seeing this kind of Gnosticism being played out even in certain circles within the Roman Catholic Church today, that once you have the spirit in you, Anything that the Spirit guides you, anything that you are guided towards must be from God. And the quietists in their extreme in the, in the you know, 1700s and 1800s France, they would have, you know, sexual orgies, sexual, you know, other weird stuff because they feel the movement um, towards that. It must be of God, you see. Uh, and so this is this is this, the danger of immanentism in reality. Is, and, and, and the priest didn't put it in those terms, but that's what it looks like. If it feels right to me, then it must be true. The church... 2,000 years of the, the positive faith and teaching must be false because it doesn't feel right with me. Wow. Dan, point number five, this young African priest, can you read it and comment on his point number five? All right. Number five, they tell us that praying fervently, repenting of our sins, and doing the will of God with love, witnessing to Jesus, worshiping and serving God are no longer fashionable and are actually useless things to do. They try to make us discouraged in our spiritual lives by pointing out pointing to the struggles and hardships that we face in life. And here's what it sounds like in real time. I think I've told the story of this guy in Germany shows up the minute I got to Germany uh, a year or two ago, and he, he wanted to know why his, his wife didn't listen to him and why he, his, you know, his kids are sick and why he's got all these problems. He lost his job, and he goes to Latin Mass, and he prays all the prayers of indulgences, and his life has gotten worse. And that's where the demon is, because he, you buy this false lie of a sugary Jesus that says once you give your life to Jesus Christ and you, you take it seriously, your faith, everything's going to be better. It's going to be, you know, um, sugar and nuts and candy and nuts, whatever that phrase is, you know, uh, um, it, it's going to be nice and sweet and sugary and everything's going to be great in your life. But it's the opposite. Jesus himself says, if you wish to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So I asked this guy in Germany, I said, well, how long, when's the last time you looked at pornography? 
He said, well, it's been like six weeks. I don't look at it anymore. It's been at least six weeks. I'm like, all right, when's the last time you smoked marijuana? Well, I smoked it about three weeks ago, but I gave it up. I don't, I don't do it anymore, but my wife doesn't listen to me. She doesn't respect me. I said, look, you act like a boy. You're smoking marijuana. You're looking at dirty magazines. You don't make your bed. You're 50 pounds overweight. You're like a fat little middle school boy. You think your wife wants to yield to you? Start acting like a man. Start acting like a Christian man, right? Die to yourself. As St. Paul says, you, you, you need to do in Ephesians chapter 5. And so this number five tells you that if you repent, you do all this work, it's going to, it's going to get harder. And that's because God doesn't love you. Because once you start buying the progressive lies, then by the end, God turns out to be very evil and wicked and always doing it. He's a cruel taskmaster and you're never going to please him. He's, he changes our perception of God. This is why prayer is important and reading scripture and staying grounded in the teachings of the Roman Catholic faith so that we have a true in, image and understanding of God. We, we have this idea that, that we lose sight of the fact, and I'm writing about this in my next book, that God exacts punishment for sin. He punishes sin. His holiness demands it. His holiness demands it. And we know this on the very natural realm. You know, you go out and have a, you and I go out and have an affair on our, on our wives tonight and maybe have a three or four month fling. Our wives are good Christian women. They've, they've made the commitment. They would take us back. But I don't think we're sleeping in the bed for a while. We might be sleeping on the couch for a long time, if you know what I mean. So there is a ramification for sin. We know that in the natural realm among, among our own marriage. How about the wedding of God, the wedding between God and the soul, the holiness of God that demands that we live a life of holiness of thought, word, and deed. So the demon's going to try to make you buy this lie that if you do all these things, your life is going to get better. And the minute you suffer any any kind of, of, of persecution or suffering, and you know, St. Paul says, uh, um, Though anyone that wishes to serve uh, uh, serve God in Christ or religiously in Christ will be persecuted. That's just it's like it's like grits in, in, in a southern. I was just in the south. It's like grits in a southern breakfast. It just comes with it. You know, it just part of suffering is part of the human condition. This is how we militate for holiness and militate for souls. Dan, here's a you're talking about the power of the word of God. I'm, I'm going to quote St. John Chrysostom. He says this. Uh, he says, quote, the devil will not dare to approach a house where the gospel is where the gospel is lying l y i n g much less will any evil spirit or any sinful nature ever touch or enter a soul which bear which bears about with it such sentiments as it contains sanctify your then your soul sanctify your body by having these ever in your heart the gospel and on your tongue for if foul speech defiles and invites devils it is clear that spiritual reading sanctifies and draws down the grace of the Holy Spirit. So St. John Chrysostom there is talking about the power of reading good books, but especially the Gospels of Jesus Christ, most especially. And we saw it when Jesus Christ had a showdown against the devil at, at the Mount of Temptation in Matthew chapter 4. He deployed Scripture. And the devil, who's no fool himself, he also deployed scripture, but he misquoted it like the cults, like the J-dubs, like the Mormons, like many Protestants. He misquoted, he twisted scripture, but our Lord deployed scripture in its context. And that's the power of God's word. He deployed it like St. Paul uh, calls the word of God a Roman short sword. Come yeah, no that. doubt. We have to, re this is part of the reason in our protocol, um, we limit uh, spiritual reading for the first 30 days to only the the daily mass readings to start to reorder the mind towards 
the words and deeds of Christ, to start to wash the memory, to wash the imagination, and so that you can start to react. Uh, when the demon projects, you'll start to catch diabolic projections. If you basically, if you get a negative thought about somebody, your spouse, your child, or whatever, it's probably diabolic. You know, when you get this, this, this negative urge uh, against someone, check that. But start reading. How do, we, how do we learn to discern clean from unclean thoughts in the, in the imagination? Then, and that is through the words of Scripture, by reading the words and deeds of Christ, linking our own life, our daily lives. This is why I, the advice that I give to people is when, you, when you're experiencing suffering, link it somewhere. We're getting ready to come upon Lent. Link it somewhere towards uh, within the triduum of Christ. Holy Thursday, uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. You're feeling lonely? Christ in the garden. You're feeling persecuted, you're feeling condemned, Christ on the cross or Christ under trial. You know, link, start linking. And, and, and this is what the the, 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 the the holy men and women of the church have done, like St. Chrysostom. Down to the fifth century, John Chrysostom's writing in the, in the 400s. Um, so you're talking about using scripture as a weapon in, in the developed Benedictine tradition we call this Lectio Divina, sacred reading of Holy Scripture, slow slow, prayerful reading of Scripture, and you begin to wash your mind through the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. I love that wash your mind. It reminds me of, of uh, when I lived in California and I'd go to the beach and just see the beautiful, you know, ocean water just washing into the, so the, into the shore. So when you said wash the mind with Scripture, I just thought about it, just, uh, just the beautiful, you know, waves coming in the afternoon on a Southern California shore. Good stuff, Dan. Uh, Here's yeah. a Scripture that ties in. St. Paul, Romans 12, do not be conformed, ties into the beginning of the segment. Don't be conformed by the spirit of this age, but tra become, be transformed by the renewal of your minds. And how do you do that? You're not going to do that by listening to Beyonce and this garbage stuff that you're going to see on TV and popular culture. You're going to be transformed by the renewal of your mind by linking, putting on, the St. Paul says, the mind of Christ. Right. So you do that through prayer. Make that your commitment for Lent to start, start not just give up stuff, not to make the sacrifices are all good. You need to do that, but also setting time aside for mental prayer. 15, even if it's 15 minutes a day of quiet prayer, meditating upon the, the daily mass readings is very powerful, very helpful. Good stuff, brother. You've been listening to Wednesday war college. Just from our Dr. Dan Schneider. Remember Catholics pray rosary every day. No excuses. Read the daily mass readings. Go to mass as often as possible. Remember, and uh, up next, we got Bishop Strickland, America's Bishop. And as for us, EOW, end of watch. Ex-cop, ex-calf scout, end of watch. We're out of here. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Long live Christ the King. Right.